Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's Monday morning, football and random things. Of course, football and random things is brought to you by our friends at Wiffles Hybrids. When it comes to selecting your seed corn partner, you've got a choice to make. At Wiffles Hybrids, we've made a choice too. A choice to remain independent, a choice to remain farm family owned, a choice to stay American. So when it's your turn to make a choice, make a statement, plant your independence, plant Wiffles. Hello, George, uh, Jeff. What do you? I just about called you George Niang for some reason. I don't know why. I we look exactly the same. We're you both do. six foot ten, basketball builds. You guys, yeah. George isn't six foot ten either, so you're just saying things at this point. But you guys look close. Yeah. So for some reason, I don't know. George Niang was on my mind. Actually, I was thinking in the back of my mind that when I said plant whiffles, I was channeling my inner Gus Johnson uh, for just a split second. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just every every read is the most important read on earth, and it's like a game six. Yeah, but at the at the very end, you've got to put a ton of emphasis on whatever it is you're saying. It's my not favorite the last, thing. But not the last word. It's the three words before the last word. Yes, I was just gonna say my favorite thing from Saturday was when is every week when Gus opens the game, and he'll say, "From Iowa City, it's Big Ten football." on fox you know and it's like man it just is every other word is either uh really drawn out or really emphasized and i just love gus johnson and you know that like called iowa state games after you know having been in the booth at least a, a fair amount of times like you know that he's just like he's looking down like he's not trying to do that like that's no, just it just like, does it that's how he would ask like Every morning, my wife and I usually, because I work from home and she works from home, so we usually have eggs at like nine. So it'd be the exact same thing as me being like, hey, Aaron, do you want some toast with your eggs? (laughs) Like, it's the same thing. Like, it's he's just looking down, doing nothing. And just it just happens to sound like Gus Johnson. Like, I imagine that's how he talks in normal, everyday life. I'm just going to start calling you my running back like he calls Joel Klatt his quarterback. So I'm okay long, with that. alongside my quarterback. Uh, all right. Iowa state with a 14 to 11 loss to Kansas on Saturday down in Lawrence. Uh, weird ass game, man. Um, I was there in the stadium. I was telling you before we got started, I wrote about this in musings, just everything around Kansas football right now gives off strong Iowa state in 2017 vibes where anytime something goes wrong, you're not too mad about it because you've seen things go wrong a lot. Uh, anytime that something goes really well, you're just really happy. And at the end of the day, you don't care how you win. You're just happy to win. 
Uh, and I think that that's where the Jayhawks probably were on Saturday. But from an Iowa State perspective, a very frustrating game for a lot of different reasons. Uh, Jeff, where does this rank in all-time drunken football games you've watched? <laughs> all-time drunken football games. Now, this is this game was so odd because there was like there wasn't a natural rhythm that got established to it. You yeah. know, like there's. I think that was the thing that was the weirdest about it is that you know Campbell talks about rhythm of the game all the time. Is what does this game want us to be? Is this game going to be a ten to seven slobber knocker drag out? defensive battle where you're probably going to punt every six plays you so you're really just trying to not turn it over advance it a little bit and turn it around or is it going to be you know the lions and seahawks on sunday where it's 48 to 45 like what does this game want to be and this game it's like it never the game it never made a decision yeah the game wanted to be decision. weird like it just held the front door open and kept walking in and out of leaving or coming changing something or coming back and like this was a lot this was the last every drive in the second half for Kansas. Six plays, 34 yards, punt. Five plays, 17 yards, punt. Three plays, zero yards, punt. Two plays, negative 13 yards, fumble. Three plays, negative eight yards, punt, half, end of game. And that was after I think they put up 111 yards on their first two drives and then had 92 the rest of the game. Yeah. I mean, the defense played absolutely out of their minds, which I think is good because early in the year, I mean, it's sort of flipped. We're like early in the season, we kind of had a lot of, we had a lot of confidence in the offense and how they were going to execute and how they were going to be able to, you know, what this offense was going to be. And then the, the defense is a little bit questioned. So like, do we, is it going to be a, are they going to blitz more? Are they going to get pressure? How are they going to do that? Like all those things are like, they're just a little different. And this game, like if officially flipped the script that the defense is back, like we can, I mean, if we ever had doubt that the defense was going to be going to be good, it's changed. And now we have some questions about the offense, but I don't think again, I'm still not ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but man, this game's odd. I, uh, I fell for the professor's gambit after the opening drive or after Kansas's first scoring drive, the one they went, I can't remember if they went 70 yards and scored, but uh, the offense, their offense was moving. They, they look good. You know, that they're going to put up some points on some good defenses this year. Well, I mean, they already yeah, have, I mean, they, okay, I don't know, okay. but I'm going to say yes and no to that. So this, I think the, the overarching fact on this is, you know, it's, we talked about it again in the Baylor game, but it came to more of a fruition in this game and it's starting to come to fruition for Kansas. So um the Caleb Williams phenomenon what is a Caleb can we just call it the Caleb Williams effect and trademark that? Yeah, I think that that would probably be the best one to to throw it to because of how the first, he played one game and everybody thought he was going to win the Heisman. It's called the Caleb Williams effect. Yeah. So, I mean the kid's going to you know, he's he's a one of the odds on favorites to win the Heisman this year. He's a really good player. But last year through two games or one half, everybody was like, get this kid the Heisman trophy. He is incredible. And then three games later, he defenses figured out what he doesn't like to do. And they made him do a whole lot of what he doesn't like to do. Are they enough against against Kansas? (laughs) They figured it out. And part of that is actually getting a script 
And so like, it's a sort of like, when you watch film, it's like a collaborative effort with every other coach that's doing something on there. It's what is your idea? And does your idea work better than my idea? And early on teams against Iowa state didn't know what they were going to do. And then Dave Aranda in specifically in the second half, they were, I mean, Baylor's defense is way better than Kansas's defense, which is another frustrating thing, but they took away Xavier Hutchinson's deep plays essentially is they're playing a middle and a deep coverage over top of Xavier Hutchinson, whether it's zone or whether it's man, whether it's double covered man, like whatever it is, they're trying to hang over top of Xavier Hutchinson. They're going to shade somebody over there. So you can't just throw these little hole shots because Decker's where he's at his best is throwing, you know, kids got a cannon. We saw a bunch, you know, a few really big passes and we know where that's going to go, but where he's at when the offense is clicking, it's, 17-yard pass play, 22-yard pass play, 12-yard pass play, 6-yard pass play, 12-yard run. And it's those little, it's those hole shots where you're hitting, you know, Deshaun Hanukkah for 14 yards and stuff like that. Well, by taking away X in his intermediate and deep routes, which is what they did, and then being able to have their safety sit sort of low and then play down on anything short, any dump offs out of the backfield or to a crosser, that took Iowa State, it has taken Iowa State out of its comfortable rhythm bring this back to Kansas. Haycock gave everybody the blueprint on how you're going to, how to stop Kansas. Cause this is the first time that Jalen Daniels has really been stopped since like the end of last season into this season. No one's really held that offense down. And the thing that they did is they like, they f- played really solid contain. And then you had safeties come up and run fit really well. Like Anthony Johnson played a hell of a game. It just, he, you know, he got trucked one time, but Anthony Johnson and Bo Freeler were in the mix, making a bunch of tackles. Jeremiah um, Cooper, another Jeremiah one. Cooper True is freshman. really good. Also, I would say um, Kendall Jackson, if he didn't work his way into a starting role, he worked his way into playing a lot more snaps because Gary Vaughn made a couple mental mistakes, especially like that bust to the fullback that looks like a tackle. Yeah, the uh, the Applebee's guy, the Applebee's yeah. kid after the win over Texas. So, um, again, just on that's on brand marketing right there. That is, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. That's right I was on. just thinking in the back of my mind. Of course, the like tight end that caught that one, like that's what you would have been doing. You would have been doing commercials for the local Applebee's. I, I, I mean, hopefully, I have better standards than Applebee's. But if they're going to pay, I'm come in and get the Wood Burger. Oh. Or the, uh, it would have been like a big like bratwurst or something like the wood dog. <laughs> Come in and get the wood dog. The the woody and it's just a bratwurst on a plate with two russet potatoes. <laughs> right now at Applebee's, covered anyway. in in ranch or something. Yeah, just on the one end. Um. <laughs> anyway, but like. Uh, Gary Vaughn didn't have his best game and Kendall played really well, but like defensively. So they gave the road. <laughs> how do you transition out of that? They gave the roadmap for how to stop Kansas. So like they're going to have to evolve a lot because one of the things that Jalen Daniels doesn't do. And so I, I got a, a couple texts from people, you know, they'll, and I don't know, you probably get the same thing of like, Hey, what happened? Yeah. I never want to talk to those people. <laughs> so with one of the questions they said is like, yeah, the defense played really well, but they also missed Kansas missed a couple wide open receivers in the end zone or for deep passes. I mean, obviously you don't want to have those happen in the first place, but they're also kind of daring Kansas to do that where it's sort of like leaving, you know, let's take Dustin Hogue, for example, and leaving him open for a 28 foot three. Okay. 
you're going to make one or two of those fine. You can have those. If you're going to make one, one or two of those plays, we just don't think that you're going to make them repeatedly. So you're going to be more aggressive to the run. You're going to be more aggressive to short and intermediate passing routes. And if you get beat over the top, we don't think that you're going to complete too many of those in the first place. So yeah, you're going to gamble a little bit that those aren't going to come down and they didn't. So it's kind of part of the game plan is force Dustin Hogue out to, yeah, shoot a 28 foot three. Yeah, well, ask Long Kruger and the Oklahoma Sooners what happens when you let Dustin Hoke float around out there and shoot those three pointers, man. So sometimes you're going to hit him, you know. Sometimes they. He sometimes is it'll cap a twenty-one to nothing run to come back from down eighteen and beat her eighteen. And, and other times it won't. But and other times it won't. Um, but like there is a blueprint now to shut down Kansas. So I think that, you know, this week, I don't know if TCU's defense is as good as I would, I don't think TCU's defense is good as Iowa state's, but they're still going to have the capacity to take what Iowa state did and go, okay, Jalen Daniels, can you go through your progressions and read like a quarterback? And then can you be patient enough to take four yards instead of 10 and 12 and 15 yards on runs? So I, I feel like this is, this is going to change the trajectory of Kansas and that there's, they're going to have to adjust because other teams will make them do what they don't want to do in the same way that Kansas did that to Iowa state on offense. I did like the way that Kansas incorporated the option. I don't know, even though Iowa state did a good job of stopping it outside of the one time early in the game. I, I don't know. I just liked the way they ran their offense, you know, it's really creative, but it's, you have to be now, if, if you can successfully complete those deep balls, then that triple option becomes, or the, the bigger, the more option becomes 10 times more effective because imagine if they do land or if you're able to land two deep passes, which back your safeties out. So one of the ways you stop the option is you tackle in space, you bring your safeties down to fill gaps and now you can actually tackle everybody. Well, and one of the issues too is, I mean, so much of being able to play, like play that style of ball at a high level is about being able to execute it correctly, you know, and like, does Kansas have the personnel to be able to do that when people know what they're going to do to stop it or what they need to do to stop it, you know? That's mm-hmm. like, that was my kind of my thing. It's like, I thought Iowa State's defensive line like kicked their ass for the most part. Will McDonald yeah. was awesome. You Will know, McDonald he, was awesome. he made some plays. Uh, uh, MJ Anderson was really good too. Isaiah Lee was really good right up the middle. Dom Orange played pretty well in the times that he came in. It was just, I don't know. Like I said, I was impressed by the way Kansas's offenses looked, but that was uh, in, in comparison to past Kansas offenses. I was, you legitimately felt some level of danger every time they were on the field you know, mm-hmm. until kind of the very end when you saw uh, yeah, until the very end, punt, once punt, the defense had, fumble and you're like, all right, yeah. defense has got it figured when, out. Yeah. Once the defense had it figured out. Uh, all right. But I, I mean, the story of this game in my mind is not Iowa state's defense as well as they played. Uh, I don't think that it's really even the special teams either. We can talk about the special teams because they're obviously a crucial por- uh, part of the game, but I think you would prefer to not have the game in a situation where your freshman kicker has to kick a field goal four four times. Yeah, and I feel bad for the kid because and and I don't know necessarily what his like mental state is cuz as an 18 or a 19 year old kid it's really it is really hard. I mean that's at a pressure cooker of a situation. But one of the things that I think he has the advantage of now or the possible advantage of is this is a really hard thing. Like it is really hard to be in that spotlight to have that thing happen and it not go your way. 
you know, the example that I have is in there was senior night in 2012 against West Virginia. They substitute me in. We're on like the six yard line going in. Um, we're down enough to where if we score a touchdown, we take the lead. And I, yeah, someone's helmet hits the ball. We fumble. They turn around. Tavon Austin takes one for 80 yards, ball game over. We lose. And I felt personally responsible for that. And I remember I was I was to tears on the sideline. I apologized to every single one of the, the teammates that I could possibly find. Um, some wanted to hear it. Some of them didn't, you know, it, it, it's senior night. It's a hard loss. And, but one of the things that comes after that is you're going to get some horrible shit said to you on the internet because people think they're really tough when you can't sit with them, you, when you're not in the same space with them. And you're going to have, but you're more likely to say horrible things to yourself. But one of the great things about sports is it's a, it's a controlled pressurized environment that doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. You know, like, yes, there's gambling money on the, on the line for some people, but ultimately if a team loses or wins, it doesn't really change. It's not like you're a doctor. It's not like you're an attorney. It's like, if you're a judge and you have a really rough day and you sentence someone to five years more than they should, or release an innocent or release a guilty person to go do bad things like that's stakes. These are not stakes. Like sports are not stakes, but it feels really pressure packed. So when you have these pressurized things that don't go your way, you have to build a mental skill set to come back from them. And life's going to kick you in the face a thousand times by the time you're dead. So this thing happening early in his career is going to allow him the capacity to build those mechanisms to deal with horrible shit happening because it's going to happen on the field and then kind of, you know, the, the sports for life type thing, it's, it's going to be able to get him out of it. So, you know, it's bad and it's pressures and it sucks and he's hurt all of it. And, you know, whatever happens on the sidelines with people talking to him and throwing stuff at him and whatever, like all of that, whether it happened or not, or how negative it is, he's going to now have the, the the capacity to come back from it, or he's going to have it bury him. And, you know, he's a young kid and he's going to got a supportive coaching staff around him. So I don't think that it's going to be a, a bury him thing, but it's a hard thing to have happen, but it's a great thing to learn from at this point in his career. Uh, another good example. I think of Cole Metton uh, missed the kicks against Toledo in 2015 comes back the next year, had one of the best. I mean, I think he was, statistically one of the best kickers that Iowa state's ever had might've been the all-time leading scorer. He's another one that I think about took a lot of heat, especially I think early in that year and then bounced back. Uh, but again, I mean, it comes back to, I mean, Iowa state had 10 drives in this game, seven different times that got into Kansas territory and they kicked four field goals. And that just doesn't, I mean, that can't happen. That's why I say like, it shouldn't have been in the scenario where the true freshman kicker has the game on his right foot. You know, yeah. the, the offense has to do a better job of being able to execute when it comes down to, I mean, comes down to nut cutting time, you know, inside the 40. And uh, I think that Hunter is, I mean, we're seeing the same thing we're, we're talking about with the Caleb Williams effect. We're seeing the same thing with Hunter right now, you know, mm -hmm. and teams are starting to take away some of the elements of his, he is so good when he gets in a rhythm, especially I thought early in that game, you saw when they're able to play with that pace, he looks really good, you know, but the second they get knocked off that rhythm, things start to really snowball for on him a little bit. seems like things start moving too fast or, or something. And he starts to make some mistakes. Well, and I wonder if it's a little bit of him seeing red, you know, like the, you know, the old expression, I think it's from bullfighting where like, 
you get them all, you get a bull all pissed off and then you can actually, it's, it's safer then because you understand what they're going to do as opposed to if they're more calm or whatever, then they're more unpredictable versus when you get them all pissed off, then they're going to sprint in one direction and you can, that's when the matador starts to become easier to avoid. And so I think that they're probably doing a little bit of that stuff and he's kind of fallen into it where, uh, you know, again, basketball example is like Isaiah Brockington, take away his drive, his, his drive to the left, pull up jumper. Don't let him do that. And then every once in a while, give him a hand check every once in a while, collision him off a screen every once in a while, make it. So he then has to be frustrated that he can't get to his spot and get frustrated. There's a bunch of this like ticky tack crap. Like I don't want, he's getting held around screens or whatever It's make him frustrated because the more frustrated that he gets, the less accurate he becomes. And so I think the same, they're doing the same thing with Deckers is they're take, taking away the thing that he doesn't want to do. And they're making him just generally frustrated. And when he gets frustrated, you know, as almost everybody does is you get tunnel vision to what you think you want. And that's looking for number eight, or that's trying to chuck it down the field where you shouldn't, you know, it's that interception that I, I think it was Dimitri Stanley was Shaw or no Shaw. I think, yeah, Sean Shaw. Yeah, where he one. tried to throw it to Shaw in the corner. It got any, yeah, the guy's out of bounds. Yeah. And you just get, when you're frustrated, you you start to, you know, you're starting to force things, you know, you, the the screw, you're trying to drill something and the screw doesn't, it's starting to strip a little bit. And then you're trying to pull the drill hard. And like the easier thing to do is back out and put a different screw in there. You know, like in that situation, it's, the thing is stripping, it's not working. Okay, remove the situation when you're thinking with a clear and logical mind, but when you're frustrated, you're just going to double down on the harder thing that you think is going to be there. And so you saw him like chipping back with coaches or, you know, like kind of arguing with the lineman or a, a running back or whatever. Like you saw him getting frustrated. So defenses are going to do that to him. Like from a pragmatic perspective, you know, that you talk about like competitive, we were texting earlier about this and you used a pretty good example. Like you can be a competitive asshole and that's fine. The two greatest, arguably the two greatest basketball players of all time with Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan you would not say that they are nice people on the court, mm -hmm. but by doing that, you kind of pull everybody up with you when you are, when you're holding a standard of excellence, then you say, you need to meet my standard of excellence, match me. But if you're playing poorly and you're being competitive asshole, then everybody kind of like, you kind of get, there's less rhythm because it's easier to turn like, you off. Yeah. It's right. easier to turn you off. And be so like, screw you, man. Yeah. So I, he's got to figure out a way, you know, again, being a competitor, either you can be that, but you have to be able to keep your brain open. You know, like when Kobe Bryant is pissed off and he wants to, or that Celtics heat game when LeBron James is just like death murder, staring everybody. And it's like, give him the ball and get out of the way. Like when there's, when there's that going on, he's, you're still seeing the floor. You're still operating in a way that you can be a great player and not zero in on everything because it's your own choice of how you're approaching everything as opposed to being forced in a direction. So like he's got to figure out, you know, how to not get frustrated when things don't go your way because things aren't, you know, for the next little bit, things aren't going to go your way until you figure out how to deal with it. It's not. And so I think that's the thing that it's just a growing pains thing that he's going to have to figure out both the X's and O's of what defenses are doing and the internal of how do I not get narrow, like narrow sighted and frustrated when I do want to get frustrated? Man, it's a damn good thing that Xavier Hutchinson decided to come back. Uh, 13 catches, 101 yards, 
dude is tough as nails, man. I mean, he takes some hits sometimes on some of those balls that you're the one that he took right into the square of his back uh, on a fourth down. It might've even been their last drive of the game. And then, you know, he was down on the field for a second, popped right back up, came back in the game. Like he was, I mean, he's their offense at times for Mm -hmm. like long stretches of the game where it's like, it's just get the ball to eight because no one else can get anything done, especially in, you know, in a game like this, when Jirel goes out where you can't get that run game going consistently how you want it. Well, and I think, again, it goes back to Deckers with the the narrow-sidedness. I mean, Jirel was targeted 19, or not Jirel, Xavier Hutchinson was targeted 19 times. Like, I understand the Randy ratio, but that's a lot. He's And he makes me, it makes me nervous, dude, because like the more you target him, the more he's left open for some of those big hits that he takes. He takes some big hits, dude, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's been some times already this year where, you know, I, like, I don't think Hunter, Hunter's obviously not doing it on purpose, but where X has been left to hanging out to dry, a couple guys have been some different times, you know? Yeah, yeah. And have really gotten smacked on some throws that were, like, maybe not ill-advised, but were tough throws that he tried to squeeze into tight windows. Yeah, and and those are fine when, yeah, you can't zero in on exactly what's going to happen because right. – you know, at, at the end of the game, Kansas knew where the ball was going. It was going to number eight because at that point, Decker, Deckers had kind of decided this is where I'm going to go, whether that's consciously or not. This is saying this, you know, I'm going to throw it over here. And that's just the way it's going to be. Um, you know, I, not having a running game or a consistent running game, that very much doesn't help. And, you know, Jirel being out and Cartavius Norton being out and leaving Deion Silas and, uh, Eli Sanders, Sanders. Yeah. Deion Silas. I was trying to think of like how to best communicate the way that he plays because he is, he is really talented and he does some really good things, but he also does some really dumb things. So he is Nick Cannon from drumline. That yeah, is the way is. that he plays, which is okay. when you're, when he has just a situation where it's, where it's okay to freewheel, where he's not reading the music, he's not reading the music. It's just, yeah here here's the ball go do something it doesn't require him playing with anyone else it doesn't require him doing anything that's kind of fundamentally within this the the grander scheme he's really good at that but when you have to be a rhythm section supporting something else that's the kind of stuff that he's pretty poor at like his blocking i mean he's he's little so like you got to watch deuce vaughn and how you're going to do that Mm -hmm. um to be to use leverage you're going to have to cut block a lot more because if you've got a 235 pound linebacker coming and you're like a buck 80 like that probably ain't going to work all that well, but if you hit right. him in the thigh, you can at least give your quarterback a chance to move. Um, but there are times where he just got thrown out the bar. Like there is a pass rusher coming and they just chuck 22. And then there was other times like there is in the second drive of the game or this, the, I think Iowa state second drive, there was a, a unblocked pass rusher that came right up the middle. And it was a twist where the, it was a, we, I think we called him a double dog like when we when I was there where one inside linebacker crosses to go to the opposite a gap and then the other linebacker follows behind and goes to his opposite a gap so they cut they, they just switch over the center and how you have to work that is the center or guard whoever they're twisting over takes the first one and you take the second one because you want to give your lineman the most immediate threat and you want to take the second threat but if you zero in on the first guy because Silas is looking to the right and that guy from the right is leaving, go to the left. So he follows him all the way to the left. Well, that's actually the center's guy. So then the guy starting on the left and comes over to the right, they're both, both of the guys are blocking 
the first crosser and leaves a completely unblocked defender. That's 100% Deion Silas. And that's the kind of stuff that he doesn't quite understand. And there was another one that was like a fourth down. The one where you said he was like Decker's pointed him in the right direction. Yeah. What that really was is that was a fourth down zone read. That was a pull read. That is a 100% a pull read where either Deckers is going to pop out behind the defensive end, or he's going to pull it and collapse down off the tackle and Silas essentially ripped the ball from Deckers. So his hand was still on the ball until he like yeah. got to the line of scrimmage. He wasn't guiding him where to go. That was supposed to be a pull read. So like he got the first down, like all's well that ends well, but that type of misexecution, if you're Matt Campbell and Tom Manning on the sidelines, it's fourth and one. You can't you're, feel confident. Your yeah. running back is stealing the ball on a zone read. Who right. are you going to trust him to run that play? Right. How how else are you going to execute that offense when you don't have, you know, then you say, okay, well, let's either just give it a designed run. Well, they have 10 guys that are stopping the run. Or you say, well, let's just run a quarterback run. Well, you have to have a blocker that can block in front of it. Do you trust Deion, Deion Silas or Eli Sanders to block in front of Hunter Deckers? No, there isn't a good fourth and one play, not because they can't execute it. Nick Cannon can play the drums and drum line. Like they've, you know, the, the, the flash, the, 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 the lights from the parking lot of the old alumni. Yeah. He's still got, he's, he's one flash, man. It's yeah. real good, but he has to be able to play within the rhythm of the offense for them to trust him in situations where that's necessary. And that's where Cartavius Norton and Jaira Brock being out. I understand why you don't go for it on fourth and one, because you go to run zone read. It's a pull read, or even if it's not, he might run in the right spot. He might not run in the right spot. He might pull the ball. He might take the ball from Hunter. He might not take the ball. And then Eli Sanders, a lot of times won't see it right. His eyes aren't calibrated to where everything should be because when he hits it, he hits it, but he doesn't see it as well as he should. So you don't really have a guy that you can trust to be back there at the same time. So the running backs being bad makes it so you have to kick the field goal on fourth and one, all the stuff, it kind of piled on itself and you know, it's obviously not an excuse to say that because you still, you got a 200, six foot four, 210 pound quarterback that should be able to do something quarterback, sneak it for a yard, maybe, but I can understand. He, he has to be more willing to run some of those times when the pocket breaks down. I mean, he just, he, there are, there were times, especially in the first half of that game where he was just like a statue standing in the pocket. And I wonder if he's trying to still, I can throw, I can still throw this. I can get out of this tackle and I can still throw this, you know, if I, if I scramble too early, does it make it? So I, you know, whatever. He I don't has know the he's... ability to get out and create with his feet. Like that's what I, that's what I'm saying. I don't understand. You know, maybe it's, we're so used to Brock was early to maybe bail from the pocket, you know, and now mm -hmm. we get in a situation where he's just a little bit late to bail, but it's like, he's got to find a happy medium there. And they, and teams might know that. Too. Yeah. And again, that's, you're going to have to, you have to change. Whatever it is, you have to change because if you do not, again, back to Brockington, teams, every single team from basically the middle of the season on took away his drive to the left side, especially getting to his, to a, uh, the mid range jumper, yeah. everything, their entire defensive set was don't let Brockington get to the jumper to the elbow on the left side. Don't let him do it, do anything else. And so what did he have to do? Dribble, he's going to have to drive to the right side to that jumper, or he's going to have do to do it, or he'd do it anyway. And it would have, and sometimes it would work, and sometimes it didn't. And that's like the same thing that we're talking about, you know, like sometimes and, it works and sometimes it doesn't. You have no idea if it's going to work or not. But if 
in that, if that, in that moment, if you're able to use that Brockington thing, if you can shoot threes, if you can take it on, you can be yeah. a, a, a setup, you know, jump shooter, like Kalsher ended up being tort, like in the tournament, if you can do that, then that takes away the capacity of the defense to do the thing you don't want to do in the first place. So it gives you the capacity to go back to what you want, but you have to change enough to show that you are capable of doing other things that they can't just force you into that one box. So it's, it's on Deckers to be able to understand that he he's got to do things differently so he can go back to doing them the same way. So he can go back to being on rhythm. He's got to make adjustments where he needs to, but I mean, that's all part of all of all it's all part of being a young quarterback it's all part of being a young team who is really breaking in almost every offensive position outside of a couple wide receivers and a center all right i've got to go here in just a couple of minutes so we're gonna we're gonna start wrapping this thing up uh really quickly on the offensive line how did you feel of their performance i i didn't think that they played overly poorly no no one was getting their ass kicked by any means no i thought that was fine and a lot of it, you know, goes back to the Silas and Sanders thing. Other stuff that they, that things that they were would, out of their control were things that the yeah. offensive line was out of the offensive lines control where Silas would, let's say it's an inside zone play and there's supposed to be a, you know, it's either front side, a gap or front backside, a gap. You're supposed to stay down the gut unless you could pop it all the way back. And he goes to the front side, a gap takes two jump steps backwards, then looks around and tries to shimmy shake. And all of a sudden there's five unblocked defenders. Well, yeah, no shit. There's going to be five unblocked defenders. The whole rhythm of the play is completely gone. A hole is only open for, you know, not even half a second. You have to hit it where it is and when it is. And I thought the offensive line was fine. Just the running backs weren't getting to where they need to. And then when they did have to help in pass protection, they're getting killed. So it was the offensive line. I thought was fine. Not great. I thought the skill positions, most specifically Decker's, was bad. And yeah, you're you're going to you're gonna have those games breaking in a new quarterback that you have to figure out what to do with it. And you have to figure out how to how you get around what they're gonna do. You got Kansas State coming in, which is not an easy task to do that, but um, you know, this Iowa State defense is gonna give you a chance mm-hmm. to do it. You're gonna Only be able you're only the second time, game. only the second time since Matt Campbell came that Iowa State lost while allowing fourteen or fewer points. The only other time was when they lost thirteen to three to Iowa in the season opener, twenty eighteen. So more often than not, the defense is going to give you an opportunity. You got to be able to take advantage of it. All right, Jeff, we'll uh, we'll talk to you later on in the week on the Iowa Pork uh, Cyclone Fanatic Tailgate Show. Uh, we'll talk to everybody again soon. Peace.